Thought-provoking? No question. Informative? You bet. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK. Well, I certainly find them thought-provoking, although I'm not sure how informative they are. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer are with us today on Left, Right, and Center. You just sound like the judges. I mean. You're not getting much out of us today, I'm telling you that right now. Welcome, guys. Nice to be back again. Morning, Thank Jim. You. I, wanted to, I want to talk today about something, and again, I, I, I hope nobody will reach for the dial on the radio to change the channel, because this, I think this is a real issue. And I'm not going to go down, we're not going to go down the same path we've been before on. I want to talk about Blendistronic, though. And I said earlier today, people have been sort of teasing me lately about, about stumping for Belinda and, you know, pushing for her for the leadership and so on. And I, I really, honest to gosh, don't care. I mean, it's up to the conservatives to elect who they want for their leader. And, and uh, it makes little difference to me whether it's Belinda or Stephen Harper. It makes a big difference if it's Tony Clement. I'd run screaming from the room if that were to happen. But the other two, I mean, it's up to the to the PC, up to the conservatives, and I'm not one. So, you know, I'm not here. I'm not pushing anybody with her candidacy. But I'm absolutely fascinated by it. I'm fascinated by what has happened by this this woman with, depending on who you talk to, great credentials, no credentials, uh, great business experience, no business experience. It's now you know people are starting to say, well, she really doesn't have any business experience. Her old man stood over her shoulder all the time, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I understand some of Stephen Harper's um, uh, confederates uh, with a identifiable religious background, shall we say, have started to take some serious shots at her, uh, as they have done in the past at some of his rivals for other positions. And uh, this is not unheard of in Canadian politics, but it doesn't always happen, and that's now happening with her. Uh, many of the, the heavyweight pundits that originally weighed in and said, to Belinda are now starting to come around. You're reading in the papers a little more generous commentary. The news stories have been great. Uh, I read yesterday, and I believe I have the numbers correct, that over the past however many days it is since she announced, Stephen Harper and Tony Clement have received, I believe, seven front-page stories in the major national newspapers, and Belinda has received 34 in the same period of time. So the, from a news point of view, she's got tons of coverage, but the pundits now, not all of them, but some of them are starting to soften their stance, where originally they said it was a joke and her candidacy was going nowhere, it was meaningless. Now a number of them are, they're, they're not saying get on the Belinda bandwagon yet, but they're certainly saying that there's something here. And I'd like to ask you, each of you, from your perspective, as you watch this thing unfold, and I know you're interested in, in this to a certain extent, as you watch this unfold, is this telling us anything useful about Canadian political culture in the year 2004 that this, this young woman has been able to capture a certain amount of the public's attention in spite of the fact that she is not a traditional politician? And does it mean anything beyond the fact that she's blonde and knows how to dress and has a few million bucks in the bank? Jeff, I'd start with you. Well, I, I hope that it does, and, and I uh, frankly think that it's a great thing that she's run, and uh, it's something that she certainly doesn't need to do. She, she certainly has nothing to gain by it in terms of her lifestyle or anything like that, uh, but I think that, it, that it's added an element of, uh, of enjoy, enjoyment to watching what otherwise would be kind of a pedantic, uh, slogging kind of a, a race with, with two people who are, who are very intelligent and uh, you know, well-educated, but, but frankly, awfully boring. And, uh, you know, to inject an element of, of fun into politics, uh, it will inject a level of fun into anything is a good idea wherever you can. Uh, not just because it does make it, make it more enjoyable uh, to read about it, but again, as you say, because I think it generates a lot of interest. It, it will tend to bring in young people. It will bring in people who otherwise 
couldn't care less about Canadian politics. You know, they, they may um, be interested in a, uh, because it is kind of a, um, uh, a reality TV uh, uh, show mm-hmm. playing out, but, but I don't care. You know, if it gets them involved in Canadian politics, if they're reading some articles about Canadian politics, they can't help but be exposed to some policy discussion uh, to find out a little bit about how the system works. So I think it's all good. Bob? Jim, on one level, I could care less about Belinda Stronach. But on another level, I understand that the media thinks this is a lot of fun, and the media is having fun with it. It's entertainment. And I think the reason that predominantly, uh, I would say, uh, even if you're including the National Post, but I would say the predominantly left-wing media, because the Star has been printing a lot of articles about this, Mm -hmm. uh, the reason they like her so much is because she's such a poor representative of the the so-called right. Mm -hmm. Um, She talks about free trade but not out of principle, because she has a company that does business in four or five different continents. She talks about no decriminalization of marijuana, not out of principle, but because she has a company that does business in four or five continents and she wants to please the United States. She's in this for herself, for her company. I just, I see nothing here but corporativism or whatever that word is, you know. (laughs) uh, And that's what you're getting now, both from the conservatives and the liberals, who are the big, you know, all the corporate donations go to those parties, people talk about, you know, corporate uh, effects in the, in the whole party system, which they've now stopped federally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've got to re- realize that unions and corporations can still give to candidates and to constituency associations. It didn't stop that. What I find very interesting, too, is that you've got a... The, uh, it seems like just about all the elder statesmen have lined up behind her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've read uh, the pundits saying, oh, it's... it's the establishment, not, yeah. yeah uh-huh. it's, it's not a political she ain't campaign. nobody knew. Well, no, <laughs> they say it's not a political campaign. It's a, it's a publicity stunt. But uh, I think, you know, p- people like uh, uh, Mike Harris, uh, Brian Mulroney, the, the Bill Davises, again, they don't have anything to gain by being seen to be part of a stunt, I don't think. I don't think it would burnish their image. So they're obviously prepared to put their image on the line to suggest that this is something that's legitimate, it's worth doing. And uh, you're right, Bob, that, that, that her policies, the ones she's espoused for the most part, are ones that they espouse as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, beyond that, though, again, I, I would have thought that the gray old boys would line up behind an old boy. And it's it's in, very interesting to me that but they, they, have, they don't I, have one. Though. This they, is an old boy. Just because she's wearing a skirt doesn't mean that the influence behind her isn't the same. Okay? I, I, I can't believe people are so blinded just by the uh, the sexuality of the situation, if I may call it that. I mean, she's no different than her father and the people who are behind her and the money and the company behind her. But That's how, who how she's representing. How different could she be and still be a contender to lead a conservative party, though? Uh, conservatism, by definition, is is uh, not wanting radical change, not wanting to uh, to, to, to make massive... Uh, isn't conservatism saying you kind of like things the way they no, are? Yes, preserve, preserve the values that yeah. are felt to be important. So well, Stay liberal, because that's the values we all want. <laughs> so uh, for who needs a conservative party to keep things the way the other party has them now? <laughs> that's th- The whole logic of this situation escapes me, and that, that people get so engrossed in it. And you know, it means nothing to you and me. Yeah. To you and me, it just means more taxes, more government, less individual liberties, you know. Thank God for technology. If it wasn't for technology, we'd have been in the grave 20 years ago. Okay, let me shift the focus just a little wee bit to one of the other comments that has begun to be seen over the past week or so, although it was alluded to earlier, but I've seen a number of articles about it, about the millionaire versus millionaire thing. And these are based on the assumption that, in fact, she does win the nomination. And now we have these two isolated individuals running for the leadership of our country two people who uh, although they certainly at points in their life may indeed have worked for a living I think Paul Martin perhaps more than Belinda 
uh, in, a, in, a, in a sense that an ordinary person would understand working for a living. But they, those days are long since, you know, long gone for Paul Martin and, and perhaps less so for her. But neither one of them really has to deal with any of the realities that the rest of us do, any of the economic realities. No worry about uh, making the mortgage payment. No worry about uh, what if the car breaks down. No worry about who's going to look after the kids if I'm busy. Uh, you know, no worry about any of those mundane things that occupy 99% of Canadians. And some people have suggested that that is a very bad thing, that to have leaders that are from that elite uh, a portion of our society can't be good for us. Does that automatically mean that they cannot be effective leaders or effective governors because they are not of the common people? No, I don't agree with that at all. I don't think being a millionaire or not has anything to do with it. Um, if you became a millionaire by honest means, that means you didn't steal, and you weren't a politician, <laughs> uh, then you've earned it. You've done something for society. You, you gathered that wealth because of something you did that people were willing to exchange their money for. Um, that, to me, I've seen millionaires who do a lot more sweating over business and, and business problems and issues like that and looking after their employers or employees, rather, mm -hmm. than the average guy has to worry I'm not, about. I'm not sure that this, ultimately, uh, this, this line of, com of complaint, though, is complaining that they have money. It's the results of the having money isolates and insulates them from the real problems of everyday Canadians. Again, it depends how they got the money. That's why I made that distinction. Uh, if you inherited the money, for example, or you never really had to earn it yourself, you're already isolated even from your family if it really comes down to it. I've seen that even happen within families because uh, quite often uh, a wealthy father may turn over part of the business to the kids and they run it into the ground because mm -hmm. they don't know the principles that he learned. So. Uh, in that sense, they're separated from the market forces, as it were. Um, but that's a whole different phenomenon, I think. Uh, that's more with older wealth. And that's part of the problem in politics, is a lot of the older wealth wants to hang on to its power without having to earn it anymore. Mm -hmm. So they grant themselves favor and trade protections and, and put tariffs and fees on their competitors and stuff like this, all of which should be Ill illegitimate from the word go. To me, to me, mixing economics and politics is like mixing religion with politics. Jeff? I don't think it's necessarily a problem, although I think that uh, it, it could be a problem. I, I was reading, for instance, in the Guinness Book of World Records that, uh, that George Bush's cabinet has more millionaires than any cabinet in American history, for instance. And now, having said that, a million dollars ain't what it used to be. Mm -hmm. uh, that... Uh, I, it, so I think that it's important from my perspective as somebody who's interested in social issues that the leader be aware of social issues. They don't necessarily have to live the life or walk the walk in order to be able to uh, to understand them. I look at Franklin Roosevelt, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Ted Kennedy. Uh, there certainly are people who, who take this noblesse oblige thing seriously that uh, if you're wealthy, you have an obligation to contribute back and uh, help the lesser and, uh, and all that stuff. So I don't think that's necessarily a problem. The other thing, too, is that realistically... Uh, you look at a Stephen Harper or a Tony Clement, they're going to be millionaires. They're going to die millionaires. It, it, it's extremely unlikely that they won't. Now, again, as I say, there's a difference between, frankly, having a million versus 30 or 40 million, mm -hmm. as Paul Martin does. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Mike Harris is a millionaire. Uh, you know, uh, I would be very surprised if Bill Davis is not a millionaire. Uh, David Peterson uh, is almost certainly a millionaire. So these politicians, they're, they're hardworking, ambitious people. They will do well in their lives, and they will, they'll all be millionaires by the end of the day. I don't and know if you're running for the leadership of, of the Conservatives, you have to be a millionaire because 
because the deposit fee, half of which is non-refundable, <laughs> is $100,000 to run for the leadership. Wow. Now, is there anything wrong with Belinda using her money to finance this campaign that she's been criticized for that? And Stephen Harper has criticized her and said that, well, I think that's I a wonderful thing. I would love it that everyone would finance their own campaigns. Right now, we have a situation where uh, the way the politicians paid themselves back for, for banning cor corporate financing is that the taxpayer is going to finance their political mm -hmm. parties now. That's absurd. Mm -hmm. Absolutely absurd. Like, you and I could start a club and force everybody in the public to, to pay for our, our, our dues and keep our club going. Well, we could if we got it's elected. It's insane. <laughs> well, that, that, does, that does concern me more, and I have to admit, I look at, uh, is it Michael Bloomberg, the mayor in New York City, mm -hmm. uh, multi-billionaire, uh, who spent uh, massive amounts of money to be, to be elected. $70 million. We're the not most, a democracy the most, the, anymore. The most what? expensive non-presidential campaign in history. Yeah, and, and I just, I don't think that's a, a good thing at the end of the day, because, uh, again, uh, unfortunately, I think there's a lot of value in your $70 million. You can hire a lot of consultants. You can hire a lot of public relations experts. I, I think that money does make a difference. If you've got $70 million, your chances of being elected are better than if you don't, I think. And, again, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're the person who's best for the job. It means that you've got the most PR out there. So uh, so I would be more concerned about uh, somebody financing their own campaign uh, in, in the sense that uh, there should be limits on how much everybody can spend. I think that the table can't be too tilted one way or another. Having said that, within those limits, I, I no, don't necessarily care where you get the money. Uh, look at municipal councillors. Often they have to spend their own money as part of their campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that's regrettable, actually. Uh, but uh, if they are prepared to do that, I don't see anything wrong with it. But I, I think there should be limits, though, and say, well, you know, if you want to run for leader, you can spend whatever it is. And realistically, the numbers are pretty big nowadays. I believe it, that, that it was... Uh, They're absurd. Yeah, well, I don't know how much high. Really but you get so much per eligible leadership. voter, which is one of the reasons they want permanent voting lists, because the voting lists grow forever as dead people uh, accumulate on them, and there's no way to remove them. So that uh, they use that eligible voting number. I mean, there's no way to remove them. <laughs> the only way you can get a name off the voters list, I've been through this, we went through Elections Canada, is you have to present them with a death certificate and go through a whole bunch of legal rigmarole. And they don't want to change it. Bloody lawyers. Because, and then I realized why yesterday, as I'm looking at the funding arrangements of how the parties get funded, and they get funded based on the number of eligible voters in each riding. So they want that number to blossom forever and ever. And, uh, I don't, I'll tell you, ever since the invention of things like electoral commissions and stuff like that, that was the end of what we could even call a free democracy in Canada. We're going to see the results of it very soon. Yeah, We're gonna, we have to pause for a second here, guys. We will be back. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290 CJBK, where interesting people talk and London listens. This is Talk of the Town on News Talk 1290. As the gentleman said, left, right, and center. Two gentlemen with me, Jeff Schlemmer and Bob Metz. And we're talking about sort of the state of Canadian politics. I want to shift away from Belinda for a minute in this race and ask you about another issue, pressing issue for some people. The Liberal Party, the Conservative Party, rather, my understanding is, has made it now a requirement for you to have membership in the party that you be a Canadian citizen. This differs greatly from the policy of the Liberal Party, which is if you are 14 years of age and your feet are on Canadian soil and you're breathing you can be a, a member. They don't even ask you to prove... In fact, you don't even have to be breathing. They signed up a dog in British Columbia, uh, although the dog was breathing, but they signed a dog up in British Columbia to be a member. Uh, so th there's there's no or very little cross-checking of, of who you are and where the $10 fee came from. And it's it has been noted by people wiser than me that this is a pretty strange way to select the leader of your country to allow people who, in a sense, have no stake in your country, they're not even citizens in your country, to select the leader. 
And I would ask you, gentlemen, uh, would you be more comfortable with the conservative approach to this, which is that you should be a citizen, at least if you're going to be a member of the party, or the liberals, that you should at least try to be alive to be a member? Well, I think there's a misnomer there in suggesting that they are electing the leader. Uh, the citizens of Canada elect the leader through the electoral process, not directly. The only people that can vote for the prime minister, for him, or a prime minister who, who might be a prime minister, mm -hmm. are the people that live in his riding. Yeah, except right now, Paul, uh, Paul Martin is the prime minister, right? and he was selected by members of the Liberal Party. He was not selected by the voters of Canada. Yes, it's only a temporary situation until the next election. Mm -hmm. We have regular elections, and mm -hmm. that happens, and... and uh, I don't really see that as being the issue. What I find more interesting is that if the Conservative Party is suggesting that only people who have citizenship can be members of the party, that means they view their political party as only an electoral instrument. Why? Uh, and, uh, because then they only want members who, who are eligible to vote. I, I can see some tactical advantages to having, having mm -hmm. it that way. On the other hand, the Liberals allow people as young as 14 to be member of the party, which I think is a more intellectual approach, because politics is something you can teach kids from a young age. Political parties, by the way, were invented back you know, in North America for mainly that purpose, to inculcate a point of view. And to begin with kids, you know, kids have the, uh, what do they have on campus, what do they call them? The uh, young, 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 young conservatives, young yeah. PC, that's right. all part of the structure. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something you'd like to have so that you can teach people about your point well, of it's view. it's fine to teach them, uh, but, you, but you, I you, think you, that's part of the role of the political don't party take, is you advocacy. You don't take the kid and put him in the car for his first day of driving lessons and put him on the 401. It's fine to teach them about politics. Being a member of a political party does not give you all that kind of power. It gives you a vote. Uh, you can vote for who... Uh, it depends on the rules of your party, and every party's different. Um, I can't speak... Well, in the Liberal Party, you can, you're can. you 14 yeah. and, and you know nominally a human being, and as I pointed out, you don't even have to meet that requirement mm -hmm. necessarily, and you have a vote. That's up to them. I, I wouldn't make it that low in my party, but... Although, uh, although I've, <laughs> never, I've never seen that be the issue that, uh, that as Bob says, that, and I've, I've heard the discussions about this at riding association meetings, why is it 14? And again, you're exactly right that the reason is to try to interest uh, youth in sure. joining... No, it. it's not. That's, come on, that's well, not... The reason say is that these, p these votes are malleable, these votes are no. deliverable. No, no, and in fact, I, I've never heard any controversy of, uh, saying that somebody packed a meeting full of 14-year-olds and took over a riding association. That, you know, that it could be an issue. It may be somebody should try it and see what happens but i just never have it's always been ethnic groups you know if somebody's taking over a riding association mm -hmm. it's bus loads of ethnic some ethnic group that come in so the 14 year old issue uh, you're right it, it could be a big problem and it is a responsibility to vote and all that uh, so an argument could be made that it shouldn't be 14 on the other hand uh, say our thing is that uh, we do everything we can to try and get them young and hang on to them we're going to go to the phone. 643-1290 is our telephone number. Bob and Jeff are guests in the studio here. And uh, Carol is on the line with us. Hi, Carol. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. Good. Uh, just going back to what you guys were saying earlier about, um, you know, millionaires being the people that seem to uh, go in power. And, I mean, sad, I think it's really sad that that's the reality. I couldn't, I couldn't be prime minister even if I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. You know, how they, you go through... Um, school, oh, well, you can be whatever you want. You can be the prime minister, and even in the States, you could be the president. That isn't true. It's, uh, it's a joke, really. If you don't have millions of dollars, or even a million, you, you don't have a hope of even coming close. You can't well, even go into politics, you know, Carol, even municipally. I, 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 I want to disagree with you, but I can only disagree with you to a point, and after which I do agree with you. But I, I don't think that is entirely true. We have had people in this country become prime minister who did not have vast personal wealth. Joe Clark was one of them. 
Uh, but, Bill but Clinton, for instance, as well. Bill Clinton is another one. Jimmy Carter, although he was modestly wealthy, did not have huge sums of money. But you, but, but what you do have to right? do. Those, those people were in business beforehand, and, and do you know what I'm saying? Like if I was just um, Joe factory worker and said, oh, I, I would like to, you know, I would like to get into politics. Well, you know what? Chances are you're not going to be able to. Well, Carol, you're, why you're would not you? Be able to, it's way harder. To, uh, launch question. a campaign. Why would you expect a Joe factory worker to be even noticed by anybody? But the point is. The point is, how do you not know that there is good people out there? Um, because the, the, those kind of people are never going to get a chance. And I think that's really sad about, I mean, democracy is great and everything, but I think that's a, a big flaw in it, is that I think there probably is a lot of good people out there that perhaps are not millionaires or business, uh, you know, really, really successful business people um, that could make good leaders, <laughs> but the chances of them getting in are just, slim and nil. You know, like How much of that has to do with the fact that they don't get involved with the process, though? I mean, but, you're, you're just but we don't know that, because, I mean, I, I know, I know of, of, of people that are right into it. You know, they call the time, they write, yeah. they, mm -hmm. they try to get involved, but, I mean, come on. Successful. As you, as you said about, you know, campaigns person with the most money. Yeah, but you've got to find the money. You don't necessarily have to have it yourself. I, I, and I would, I, would, I would agree with you on, on the big races. The American presidential race today is very difficult to do, although there are people in, the, in, in it even now. Even being a mayor. Uh, I mean, yeah, but, but even if being you, the mayor. It's, all, it's much more, I think, about support from people than about what you've got in your own wallet. Right, and, and a lot of hard work and that. And, I, and I'm not saying these people don't work hard. I'm just saying it, it is a shame, I think, that you have to put up such big bucks for a lot of these things, like you were saying, the Conservative Party, what, $100,000? Yeah, yeah. no, things like point. that. I don't think that's right, and I think that what we're doing is we're really separating society where, okay, these people can go in it, and these people can't. Right. And I'm not, and I'm just saying, maybe there are some really good people out there, you know, well, that, that won't even bother. Well, that's the whole problem, though. They need to bother. At the very least, they should find out that they can't be successful, but to sit home and say, well, I'm not going to do it because I don't have any money, that's given up before the fight has started. Carol, thank you for your call. Appreciate it very much. Gentlemen, we've got just a minute or two left here. Uh, I, I don't want to leave this on a down note. I would like to encourage people to get and stay involved in politics. And uh, Well, I found Carol's points of view very fascinating because I hear them from in different ways from other people all the time. And I think it generally comes from an expectation of, of some belief that you can start at the bottom and get to the top overnight. You can't. If you want to go through the process, first you run for trustee or city council or even on the provincial level. I mean, anybody can even possibly be get elected. But before that, before that, you've got to get involved in your community associations. Well, absolutely. People you've have to know who you are. Yes. And that's why money talks. Because people don't have to know that Jim Chapman is Jim Chapman. Because if he's got a million bucks in the bank, they figure, well, he's got to be somebody. Mm -hmm. Because he made that million bucks somehow. Mm -hmm. He must know somebody. He must. Money can give you a fast forward. But yeah. uh, having said that, I, I'm not pessimistic at all. Look at somebody like a Bill Clinton. Uh, Bill Clinton never worked in business. He, he worked his way up from nothing. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. so, uh, son of a welfare mom, but a, a very ambitious, uh, intelligent guy, and, and as you say, he worked his way up through the system uh, to the to the pinnacle. So that certainly can still happen, uh, but there's no question that money can fast forward the process for you. But it, it reminds me of a remark about the courthouses and our courts open to all. Our, our, can people access the courts? And there was a famous judge, I can't remember who was in the in England, who said that uh, the, the doors of the courthouse are open to all, just are, as are the doors of the uh, fanciest hotels. So I remember. Uh, when London South Riding still existed, Joan Smith beat uh, the PC fellow, Gord Walker, who at that time spent the most money in Ontario's history mm -hmm. 
on an election campaign, and he was roundly defeated. What did Joan Smith do to beat him? She went door to door. Yeah. Knocked on all the doors. You couldn't go through White Oaks without seeing Joan Smith signs <laughs> all over the lawns. So, it's, you know, that's money, too. Yes, but, it is, uh, but it's pretty tough to, to beat that personal one-on-one. Right. Hi, how are you? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's yeah. very, very tough to beat. Gentlemen, uh, appreciate your attendance, as always. Look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks, Jim. Thank you. Bob Metz and Jeff Schlemmer are our regular guests here every Wednesday at 1030 on Left, Right, and Center.